0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, August 16th, 2012. Today we are reading from the big book in Bill's story and we are on page 7, starting with the paragraph, my brother-in-law is a physician. The reference number for yesterday's meeting, the share code, for Wednesday, August 15th is 2849, that's 2849. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I would now like to invite Susan S. to please read the 12 steps.
1: Good morning
2: everybody, my name is Susan S. I'm from Florida, grateful, compulsive overeater. here. One, we admit we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Yes. Thank you,
0: Susan. And now I'd like to ask Kim to please read the tradition. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater Every O.A. group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever nonprofessional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, O.A. as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Kim. How our meeting works. then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker's should be muted. Today we resume our study of the Big Book on page seven, beginning with the paragraph "My brother-in-law is a physician," and I'd like to invite Deb W. to start as our reader. Good
3: morning, Kenneth. Good morning, A Vision for you. My name is Deb. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater from Michigan. My brother-in-law is a physician, and through his kindness and that of my mother, I was placed in a nationally known hospital for the mental and physical rehabilitation of alcoholics. Under the so-called belladonna treatment, my brain cleared. Hydrotherapy and mild exercise helped much. Best of all, I met a kind doctor who explained that though certainly selfish and foolish, I've been seriously ill bodily and mentally. Um, I just love this progression in the story, how it's unfolding here. He's starting to get more and more answers and he's, he's starting to understand Bill is starting to understand a little bit more about himself. And, um, you know, it just reminds me his story, how God builds upon in my life these pieces of the puzzle how he brings it all together and it all takes time it all takes um for me i know that if he were to disclose everything before me i couldn't handle it and so it's all part of um, bill's story here as it's um, unfolding before our eyes and i can just look back in retrospect and in hindsight seeing how god laid out these certain puzzle pieces before me and fit them in Just so in my jigsaw puzzle in my life, and um, how he's developing developing it even more, you know. Um, But, anyways, I will pass with that. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Deb. Would
1: anyone like to comment on what was read? Press star one to unmute. Good morning, it's well, Leia.
4: Is... Good morning, Leah. Thank you. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everyone. My name is Leia. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Best of all, I met a kind doctor who explained that, though certainly selfish and foolish, I had been seriously ill bodily and mentally. And this paragraph refers to uh, Bill's in it, this first treatment in Towns Hospital. And, yes, he meets Dr. William Silkworth, who worked with thousands and thousands and thousands of alcoholics, I think over 50,000 alcoholics in that hospital. And he worked closely with alcoholics. He was looking for clues and patterns in the way that alcoholics lived and the way they acted. And he came up with something very interesting, and he came up with something that no one else in medical history had realized at that point. Up until that point, people just thought that alcoholics were crazy, you know, that they were weak willed, that they were sinful, that they were corrupt, that they were lacking moral character. What Dr. Silkworth found was this component called the allergy of the body that alcoholics were a very unique class of people that when they ingested alcohol, it triggered a phenomenon of craving, an allergy, an adverse, abnormal reaction. And so that was key here. He's putting together this uh Deb referred to it as a puzzle. It says here I had been seriously ill bodily and mentally. So Dr. Silkworth who we referred to as a medical saint s- began speaking to Bill about the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, twofold disease. This is what Bill's learning. This is his initial exposure to the idea of alcoholism as rooted in illness, not a weakness, not being a bad person, but an illness a two-fold illness, allergy of the body, obsession
5: of the mind. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read?
0: Well, this is Janice, and I'd, I'd like to just say something about this paragraph here myself. You know, picture this. You know, picture this. This This. Finally, Bill needs hospitalization. You know, he's getting so bad. You know, we've been reading about what's been happening to him. You know, and he's been telling us about the mental torture that he's been under, his writhing nerves and awakening in the morning and, and to the four horsemen, you know, feeling that terror and bewilderment, dragging his mattress down from the second story so that he wouldn't jump out the window. And and he's seriously ill. You know his body is suffering the physical torture of alcoholism. You know he's underweight. He's he's um, uh, physically weakened, terribly weakened, to the point where he needs to go into the hospital. You know he's he's seriously seriously affected by his alcoholism, and as thank God his brother-in-law who was a physician, his mother. His wife, they have all been so worried about him. So they find this place and they put him in this nationally known hospital for the rehabilitation, the treatment of alcoholics. And here Bill is offered what they had as treatment. You know, physical exercise, trying to, to feed him, um, uh, hydrotherapy, so he's getting some swimming, some, some water therapy. You know, to try to get his poor little body back from the brink because he's that seriously affected now. And he said his brain starts to clear. His brain starts to clear. And so that Dr. Silkworth can introduce him to some new ideas that, Bill, you are not only physically affected, but you've been mentally affected too. But the only treatment they had to offer was the psychological treatment that Dr. Silkworth was trying to use on people, coupled with some good physical therapy. And that's enough to help Bill at the stage where he's at. But we're going to learn more about what happens to alcoholics. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read?
6: Hi, Janice. This is Audrey. I'd like to share. It's Monica. Good morning,
0: Audrey. And good morning, Monica. Audrey
6: first. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning, my fellows. Uh, This is Audrey, gratefully recovered, compulsive overeater in Minneapolis. You know, in terms of the doctor and and Bill going there and um, what the doctor is able to do for him and how whipped Bill is feeling by his disease and he's just like, you know, get me out of here. I I can't handle it anymore. So many of us have had that same experience. And in fact, I... um, I recently uh went to my endocrinologist and um had, you know I've been working in in terms of um you know the the sickness of the mind and the diabetes which is a byproduct of you know the mind and uh years of of being a compulsive overeater you know actively engaged in the disease and the doctor that I recently saw was a kind of a new endo for me and he 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 looked at me and he said, you know, so many people are not recovering. He said, how do you do it? And I said, well, it, he said, it must be really expensive. I said, well, it's priceless, first of all, and it's free. And I can't believe my sponsor doesn't send me an invoice. And he laughed. And I can see, you know, back when Bill and, and Dr. Bob were were having these conversations about, you know, what what's really wrong with me, you know? The diabetes, the medical profession today is just as frustrated as they were before when they see people suffering and they, you know, most doctors got into being a doctor because they cared about people. You know, they they had some compassion and then they, of course, now, now it's all about, you know, insurance companies mostly. But, but the bottom line is, you know, the endo that I saw said, you know, I, I think I need to quit. We're not getting anywhere. Please tell me what you're doing because you're like our poster child, you know. And that was very that was very encouraging because so often I think we feel like we're not perfect, therefore we're failing or some crazy thing. But that's the disease of the mind. And thank God and thank our fellows that we are not left to our own you know mental devices and we can call a sponsor that knows us and loves us has no ulterior motive and just like Bill Bill and Bob started out and say. Hey, you know what? I'm I'm seeing it like this. Am I am I nuts or am I crazy or or am I on track? And we're not left to our own devices. So it's just a few simple things. But this, you know, getting in front of the doctor. I I have to say, after being in program for five years and I'm 55, that for the first time in my life, I'm not po'd at the medical profession. I mean, I'm actually grateful that I have a medical team. And and that took, you know, some undoing of the mental obsession of the mind by what we do every day. But it goes, I love reading this uh, section in the big book, because it really is the medical, you know, it's it's the team that we work with. And, um, you know, we do our part, and, and they do theirs. And everybody that's, you know, all of our fellows, we all do our part together. So we are truly no longer alone with that. I'll pass.
7: Thank you, Audrey. Monica? Thank you, Janice. Good morning. Good morning to everyone. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And I'm And in this uh, little paragraph here, we're hearing how um, Bill goes to the hospital. And this is his first treatment. This is his first hospitalization. And this was at Towns Hospital in New York City. And it occurred in the summer-fall of 1933. And um, yes, as was said, this kind doctor here was Dr. Silkworth that he meets there. So what have they done here? What they could do at that point back in the 1930s, and it's still that way today, was they physically separated him from his alcohol. And it took he was so, so sick, you know. It took belladonna treatment and uh, mild exercise, basically because he couldn't do more. But this is the first time he's hospitalized, and this kind doctor is going to start telling him some things, and we will hear more. And with that, I will pass.
0: Thank you, Monica. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? Good
8: morning. It's Eddie in Virginia. Good morning, Eddie. Good morning. Um, yeah, just just reading this um, this article, this this section of the of the story, where he talks about you know being hospitalized and um, undergoing the belladonna treatment. Um, this, it's sort of like you know, obviously he doesn't get into detail here, but um, there there are um, some really scary aspects of this disease that uh, always you know. Amaze me, and one of them is the, is the inability, as we've talked about before, to remember um, the effects of your last binge or your last, you know. Uh, a compulsive bite uh, what what that has done to you in the past and and this this whole belladonna treatment that they sort of gloss over in this article was a was a terrible terrible treatment i mean it was the only thing they had available at the time but belladonna was an extremely powerful drug and and could be toxic and fatal if it not administered properly and of uh, course all types of uncomfortable and unpleasant side effects when administered to people. Uh, but it was, a, at the time, it was the only thing anybody had that really, really worked. So, I mean, you yeah. know, but it just amazes me that uh, Bill, apparently, from what, you know, we're reading in the story here, these, these couple of, of uh, admissions at to Towns Hospital is all it took for him to, thank God, see the light. But, you know, it, it makes me just wonder about the, not wonder, but realize the power that this disease has, this cunning and baffling and powerful disease that we have, that would make people uh, undergo that treatment uh, multiple times. And some of those people had. They had been uh, multiple admissions to this hospital and undergone that treatment because once that compulsion, that craving set in for them to take that first drink or for us that first bite, all of that, they forgot all of that. And they just started down that road again, only to be some of them back in in the hospital undergoing that same awful, awful treatment. So it just speaks to me of the power that this disease has over me. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Eddie. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read?
1: All right, we're going to move ahead to the next paragraph. Rick, if you would please read for us.
9: Good morning, my name is Rick. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. It relieved me somewhat to learn that in alcoholics, the will is amazingly weakened when it comes to combating liquor, though it often remains strong in other respects. My incredible behavior in the face of a desperate desire to stop was explained. Understanding myself now, I fared forth in high hope. For three or four months, the goose hung high. I went to town regularly and even made a little money. Surely this was the answer, self-knowledge. Well, I look at that first sentence, and Bill is talking about his will. And I think we can all look back and see that our willpower was very strong in other aspects. We were able to hold down the job, take care of the family, take care of the house. We were able to do all the other things, but when it came to food, we weren't able to do it. And in some ways, I wonder, were we overcompensating? Take care of those things that we knew we could take care of, but the food hasn't built, the liquor, it was impossible for us to take care of that. And I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Rick. Would anyone like to comment on what was read?
7: It's Monica. Go ahead, Monica. Good morning, Janice, again. Good morning, everyone. In this paragraph here, it says, It relieved me somewhat to learn that in alcoholics, the will is amazingly weakened when it comes to combating liquor. So he's been in his first treatment, and he's Dr. Silkworth has started talking with him, and Dr. Silkworth has said to him, Bill, I have a theory here that you have a twofold disease, an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. And this was the first time that Bill had ever heard anything like this. So he's been dried out. He's been separated from the alcohol. So as long as he doesn't uh, put anything in, you know, the allergy of the body isn't going to kick off. And now he's been told that, you know, it, you're not a weak will. This isn't a matter of, of strength or not here. You have something different in your brain. There's, there's a um, different type of thinking here. You have an obsession of the mind. And so he thinks, yay, now I know what is wrong with me, you know, and... uh And it works for a while, you know. He goes out for three, four months. He stays sober, and things are looking pretty good. And he thinks, you know, I think I got it. I think I got it. But the story is going to continue. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Monica. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? Please press star 1 to unmute. Yes, this is Amy. Go ahead, Amy. Good morning. My name is Amy. I am a compulsive overeater. It relieved me somewhat to learn that in Alcoholics, the will is amazingly weakened. Yes, it also relieved me tremendously when I came to OA and I saw the fellowship and I started to understand and learn about the disease of compulsive overeating. Absolutely. I thought for sure, this is it. I know it now. I know what to do now. There's a saying that goes around in the rooms that says OA is like the mafia. Once you get in, you never get out because you know too much. Well, I thought, wow, okay, I am now equipped with knowledge here. I can empower myself to go out there and be free from compulsive overeating. But unfortunately, without addressing the mental obsession, I am doomed. I am just as doomed in the rooms as I was outside of the rooms, and that was true. I didn't think my bottom could be any worse before I came into OA, but I spent four years in OA in a, in a, a pit of depression and suicidal and compulsive overeating. I mean, the hellhole I can't even begin to describe the bottom, the the despair, the powerlessness, because now I was binging, but I knew exactly what I was doing. And I thought, how could I be doing this? Because I know now that I am a compulsive overeater, and yet I am still binging my brains out. You see, I was using OA. It's just a fellowship. And OA, just using a fellowship without the 12-step, working the 12-steps, and the spiritual transformation that takes place through the working of the 12-steps, it's just another group that gets together. It wasn't doing anything for me because I didn't address the mental obsession and I didn't address the spiritual transformation. I did not look for a power greater than myself. I didn't understand the fact that I not only needed knowledge, I needed power. I needed power, a power greater than myself, a power outside of myself. I did not relate to God at all. And all I did was come to a one OA meeting after another, crying and sobbing. Why couldn't I stop? I know what I am now. I believe what I am now. I know that I can't take another bite, yet I find myself doing it again and again and again. And as we see in Bill's story, he's high on the hog for a few months, but then we'll see what happens. We need to be working the 12 steps. We need to find a power greater than ourselves the spiritual transfa- transformation is the only thing that allows us to relieve, be relieved of this merciless mental obsession. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Would anyone like to, else like to comment on what was read? This is Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning again, Janice. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. My incredible behavior in the face of a desperate desire to stop was explained. I mean, that just so hits me because, you know, I've been everywhere in this disease. You know, I've been a size 24, obese and binging and choking on the food, and I keep eating and I keep eating and I keep choking and I keep eating. You know, I starved myself down to a size two where I was no longer having a menstrual cycle. And I remember one time I was so lightheaded, but I was on the elliptical machine. I had to do my my penance for having, you know, one bite of something, and I actually passed out, and I broke my um, head open, and I got back on the elliptical and tried to hide the blood because I wasn't done my penance for, for taking that couple bites. You know, I've also been somewhere in the middle where I've been binging and purging so much, and I used to have this routine where I would eat what I thought was nutritious. Then I would eat carrots and then I would binge on the food I wanted, and I would throw up until I saw the carrots because that was the same way to binge and purge. And where is my dog, sorry. But all that incredible behavior, I desperately wanted to stop. I desperately wanted to stop. But when I came in and I heard that I had this allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, I started to understand I wasn't crazy. I wasn't weak-willed. I wasn't immoral. I was truly sick. And I had to understand this problem. I had to accept the solution. And I had to take this plan of action if I wanted to get better. And with that, I passed. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Well, this is Janice, and I'd like to share a little something on this paragraph. You know, okay, here we're getting... We're getting what was happening with Bill. He's getting some knowledge about what's wrong with him. Because remember, surely this was the answer. Bill was searching for an answer. He was searching for an answer at this point. At this point, he wanted to stop. He wanted desperately to stop. He knew that what he was doing seemed absolutely crazy to him. You know, he he was under the mental torture of that place. That if you're anything like me, you got to that place too, where you wanted to stop, where the desire to stop was high, but you couldn't stop. You know, so now he's getting an answer. He's getting an answer. Self knowledge. Now I understand, he says. Now I understand myself. Okay, I know that my will is amazingly weakened where the alcohol is concerned. So now I know this about myself. Now my body, I'm coming out of, of treatment and I've, I've got a little bit of my health restored. So now I'm set. Now I'm set. Knowing what I know, I'm set. But the truth is self-knowledge availed us nothing. Availed us nothing. And I love when those very things in the big book get proven out in Bill's story. What we learn about this disease about compulsive overeating is right here in Bill's experience. It gets proven out to us again and again by his experience that what happened to us as compulsive overeaters is no different, is no different. You know, those periods of control, for brief, are always followed by still less control, still less control. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read?
10: All right, we're going to move forward. If Esther, if you would read for us, please. Good morning. My name is Esther. I'm a compulsive overeater. But it was not, for the frightful day came when I drank once more. The curve of my declining moral and bodily health fell off like a ski jump. After a time, I returned to the hospital. This was the finish, the curtain, it seemed to me. My weary and despairing wife was informed that it would all end with heart failure during delirium delirium tremens, or I would develop a wet brain, perhaps within a year. She would soon have to give me over to the undertaker or the asylum. So, last paragraph, Bill was, uh, the goose hung high because Bill felt that the answer was self-knowledge and, One paragraph later, we realized that self-knowledge is not enough. And I had the same experience because I became abstinent as soon as I came to the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. I was told I had an allergy and and I was allergic to certain foods and I got abstinent and the goose hung high for me, albeit for a little bit longer, maybe for a couple of years. But but self-knowledge is not enough Um, because came the day when the mental obsession kicked in and I wanted to pick up once more. And interesting to note here, he says in, in one of the sentences, the curve of my declining moral and bodily health fell off like a ski jump. Meaning when it's so what I learned from this is that when he went back to drink, he didn't start from the beginning. He picked up where he left off, as bad as it was when he left off, and it just, whoop, you know, way off the cliff like a ski jump. And, again, that was my experience as well. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Esther. Would anyone like to comment on what was read? It's Monica. Go ahead, Monica.
7: Good morning once again, Janice. Good morning. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, Here in this paragraph, he says, I returned to the hospital after a time. And this was in July of 34. Now, this is his second hospitalization, his second treatment here for alcoholism. And it goes on to say, He was informed that it would all end with heart failure during delirium tremens. And I looked that up and I wanted to share that with you. Delirium tremens, a violent delirium with trembling caused by excessive and prolonged use of alcoholic beverages. Okay, a violent delirium. What is a delirium? It's a mental disturbance and it's characterized by anxiety, confusion, Delusions, disordered speech, and hallucinations. And um, this is a really scary thing to see. Um, um, you know, they're seeing things. There's bugs crawling on the bed. There's bugs crawling on the wall. Uh, you know, it's, you know, this disease is killing us, and um, we die miserable deaths from alcoholism, and from our obesity. And he's, you know, he's, being, he's realizing here that uh, things are really, really, really um, scary. And with that, I will pass.
0: Thank you, Monica. Would anyone else like to comment
4: on what was read? It's Leia. Go ahead, Leah. Yes, uh... But it was not for the frightful day came when I drank once more um you know this this is talking about uh powerlessness here. you know when we talk about powerlessness uh we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable um the powerlessness the real area where we're powerless is when you learn all about alcoholism in Bill's case. He learned all about alcoholism. He learned about the allergy of the body. He learned about the obsession of the mind. He start, certainly had an alcoholic history. He certainly experienced pain and suffering. When he learned all about it, he still cannot go through life without drinking. He still cannot go through life without drinking. That, that is the true powerlessness. The fact that once he takes that drink and gets drunk, Well, that's just the effects of alcohol and having the allergy of the body um, and the phenomenon of craving and an insatiable appetite. But that would be an academic point, right? If someone has an allergy, they just stop ingesting that particular substance. But the real area for Bill and for us is this obsession of the mind. That's the real problem. The problem is at its maximum for bill when there is no alcohol present because life is too much for him, and that, that is the deal with us too. You know food and weight are not our problem life life living life, living life on life's terms that's that is our dilemma that's our trouble. But it was not for the frightful day came when I drank once more. You know, even after he said, no more, you know, I understand who and what I am today. I'm an alcoholic. That's it. The plug's in the drug. I'm never going to take another drink. Everybody's going to see me happy now. All of a sudden, he changes his mind. And taking that first drink seems like the best idea that Bill has had in a long time. And that's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens with you and I. So this is really setting the stage to understand powerlessness. Powerlessness. It's not, we can use all the willpower. We can use our intellect. We can use self-knowledge. We can even have the best of doctors, like Dr. William Silkworth. But even human aid is not enough for people like you and I. Those things are not enough for us. We are without defense against that first bite, in Bill's case, against that first drink. Something more is needed. And with that, I I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read?
1: All right, we're going
0: to move on to the next paragraph. Yolanda. Katie. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, I'm sorry, Katie?
5: Yeah, I'm sorry. I just couldn't get my phone out fast enough. Yeah, I just wanted to comment on this um, paragraph on Katie, a compulsive overeater. And I think, you know, we've read all this about Bill, and, and the sad yet encouraging thing about it is that we're never hopeless. I mean, you hear about people who've come to our meetings for years and years and years, myself included, and it gets to the point where you think, well, I'm just so stupid, or I'm that person who's constitutionally incapable. Well, Bill... <laughs> I mean he it's not like he just woke up one day and said, you know, this is this is really bad, I think I'll recover now. I mean he is going through years and years and years of mental physical torture, which is what we do. Uh we know about diets from the first time you know, I knew about a diet when I was nine years old. I got an accident when I was twenty seven. That's eighteen years later. And I know that in the rooms of OA, I was in the rooms for six years before I got abstinent, that stuck. And I really spent so much time thinking, I am never going to get this. I am constitutionally incapable. I am the one who can't recover. Well, Bill is showing us, you know, he got all this self-knowledge, and then the frightful day came when he picked picked up the drink one more time. And that's what we do over and over again. And the, the difference is that it's not just one-day knowledge or one-day spiritual awakening. It's every day I have to pick up this program. Every day I work my program. I didn't, I didn't get knowledge and a spiritual awakening in a vacuum on one day. It is a constant vigilance of working this program, and God gives me what I need every single day to continue working this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you,
0: Katie. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? Hi, this is Carolyn. Go ahead.
1: Go ahead. Press star one to unmute. All right, we're going to move
11: ahead then. Yolanda, would you like to read first, please? Hi, this is Yolanda, compulsive overeater. They did not need to tell me. I knew, and almost welcomed the idea. It was it was a devastating blow to my pride. I who had thought so well of myself and my abilities of my capacity to surmount obstacles, was cornered at last. Now I was to plunge into the dark, joining that endless procession of sots who had gone on before. I thought of my poor wife. There had been much happiness after all. What would I not give to make amends? But that was over now. Hi, my name is Yolanda, a compulsive overeater again. And um, this paragraph brings back to me like it was yesterday. Um, I guess it was around 2002. I sat on my couch and I was packing up um, bins and bins of clothing uh, that I had stored in my basement for years and years and years because I always thought I was going to get back into them. And... um, I had finally realized that I was never, ever going to get past this eating thing. I had no idea um, what was going on, allergies and things like that. I just knew that I'd always had a weight problem since I was a little girl, and I'd been dieting, and I was a great dieter. And people would always tell me that I had such great willpower, and I believed that. And I thought, you know, I had everything going for me, and I knew how to lose weight. But um, it got increasingly difficult, and I finally had given up. And so what happened at that point in my life is I, I actually surrendered to the fact that I was going to be obese. And um, it was a very, very, um, it was a very depressing time for me. I, I had no idea what, was, you know, what God had in store for me. And with that, I'll pass.
5: Thank
0: you, Lola. Would anyone like to comment on what was read? This is Kim. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning again, Janice. Good morning again, everyone. My name is Kim, a recovered compulsive overeater. I'm going to take that last line from the paragraph before and put it together. She, meaning Lois, would soon have to give me over to the undertaker or the asylum. They did not need to tell me. I knew and I almost welcomed the idea. And I want to thank Monica. I like the way she puts into perspective the time period. You know, in 1929, Bill's friends are jumping from the towers of high finance, and it disgusted him. He would not jump. And then a couple pages later, it said, Should I kill myself? No, not now. And then it says, He's dragging a mattress to the first floor, lefty leap. And now, in 1934, it says, He's going to be taken by the undertaker and he almost welcomes the idea. I mean, that's the progression of this illness that we go. I remember getting to the point, laying in my bed, crying myself to sleep, and thinking, you know, not that I almost didn't want to die, but I was too afraid to live. I was too afraid to live this life that I was living. And if I died overnight, oh well. Oh well, it would be easier than to have to get up the next morning and live in this cycle of this disease. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read?
12: Yeah, this is Sarah.
7: Monica. Thank you, Sarah. First Sarah and then Monica.
12: Hi, this is Sarah, Compulsive Overeater. Um, I just want to piggyback on what Kim was saying, because she started off exactly what I wanted to say. and. Just, if you read the next line, it was a devastating blow to my pride. I, who had thought so well of myself and my abilities, of my capacity to surmount obstacles, was cornered at last. And then, I thought of my poor wife, there had been much happiness after all. What would I not give to make amends? But that was over now. Total defeat. Total, total defeat. And I just... You know, I, I I've been there, and I, you know, and it's not only about the food. It's not only about the food. It's just like, like I said. It's it's life. It's living life without the food. It's living life um, on life's terms, and being able to to do that with strength, without dependency on that sense of ease and comfort when it becomes too overwhelming. And and I was the big believer in self knowledge. I was like the you know that if I just know, if I know if I understand myself, then I'll be able to make better choices. And and sometimes it's it's you know, and it's just not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough when you when you're totally powerless and the regrets and the shame you know, I fancied Bill in the beginning of his stories. I fancied myself a leader, I'm not quoting it exactly, but he knew he had all these abilities, and he believes in himself, and he was the ter- fierce determination to win, and and you know, taking pride in the money and the Walter Hagens and the and the connections, and you know, his fancy friends and the and the penthouses. <laughs> but you know, ultimately, he was beaten. He was beaten by the alcohol and. I, had, I, who had thought so well of myself and my abilities, of my capacity to surmount obstacles, was cornered at last. The humility that he's experiencing and the powerlessness is so overwhelming. What, I would, not, what would I not give to make amends? This paragraph gives me hope. It gives me hope because I know the end of the story. I know that, I know that there is hope, and I know that the possibility for recovery is possible through working the 12 steps and the spiritual awakening, the process, the the transformation that can come with God's power, with a power greater than myself that can restore me to sanity. Power greater than myself that can restore me to
0: sanity. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sarah. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read?
7: It's Monica. Go ahead, Monica. Thank you, Janice. My name is Monica. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. They did not need to tell me. I knew and almost welcomed the idea. You know, he's been told it's either going to be the undertaker or the asylum. It was a devastating blow to my pride. I, who had thought so well of myself and my abilities, you know here was a man, a very intelligent man who had made millions, who had um, done all kinds of stuff, and here, in this paragraph, we are we are seeing the powerlessness and the seemingly hopelessness of this disease and i you know for most of us on this line, we have experienced that seemingly hopeless Feelings, depression, anxiety of this disease, and with that, I will pass.
0: Thank you, Monica. Would anyone else like to comment
13: on what was read? Hi, this is Carolyn. Go ahead. Hi, I'm Carolyn. Yes, I'm Carolyn, compulsive overeater, and I know it. You know, it really grabs me. Who thought so well of myself and my abilities. I always thought I was fairly smart, and why couldn't I get this program? Why, Why couldn't I get it to work for me? What was wrong with me? I'm smart. I know things. I know how it works. I know how it's supposed to happen. Why aren't I doing it? Why can't I do it? I thought I was that constitutionally incapable person of grasping this program. I never, ever, ever realized that my answers were further on in this book. They were further on in this book. I wasn't there yet, just like with Bill. He wasn't there yet. I wasn't there yet either. I still had a lot of experience to go through before I could say, ah, I finally got it. I need to be stupid, and I need to listen, and I need to do simple steps but in a way that's described that I'm not in charge anymore. That my self-will was running so riot that I didn't even realize it was self-will. I had no idea that I wasn't allowing God to run my life. With that, I passed.
0: Thank you, Carolyn. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Larry. Go ahead, Larry.
14: Good morning. My name is Larry. I'm a compulsive overeater from Chicago. Um, I like this. Uh, I like this this, um, this reading. I go back to it a lot of times because I think pride is such an insidious thing. I know it was in my life. Um, I mean, after all, you know, I, I have my Ph.D. I'm, you know, I'm a very important person. Aren't you all aware of that? You know, and what I didn't realize when I, when I uh, first came into this program is that you know, self-knowledge would avail me nothing. In fact, really any sort of man-made, you know, knowledge would avail me nothing. It was only the solution really was in a power greater than myself. And it was, you know, very challenging uh, for me to to connect up with that, with that notion. Because what I, what I really thought was if you just give me a track to run on, so to speak, Maybe literally as well, you know that i could I could do this myself. I don't need you to do this just give me you know give me the you know the uh, the recipe, don't leave out any of the ingredients, give me the recipe, and I'll follow it, and then I won't need you and what i've what I've come to realize in this program is that it's about you know it's about stripping stripping away my ego, it's about stripping away the ego. And recognizing that you know that if there is a higher power, see see God either exists or a higher power either exists or 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 God doesn't, and that was the choice that I had to make at some point that's where the rubber met the road for me and 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 this is an ego smashing program. this is a spiritual program. It was never about the food. the food was merely and the weight was certainly a manifestation of what. Of just um as it's been said many times of just you know living life on life's terms, well, I couldn't live life on life's terms, boy, I could speak in front of you know i'm I'm a professor too, I could speak in front of large uh you know classes and large lectures, and I could boy, did that feel good to sort of capture the attention of you know of an audience that's always felt good to me, even when I was younger, you know, but what i what I recognized it wasn't about any of that, you know that that you know. Regardless of what I thought about myself, you know what? When I looked in the mirror, I recognized that this this issue, this issue, living life on life's terms and how I relate it to food in terms of this twofold allergy of the body and, and obsession of the mind, I could not solve this problem of my own accord, and I still can't. All I have, as all of us have, perhaps, is one day at a time. so um I really appreciate that, and thanks so much, and with that I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Larry. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read? This
4: is Leia. Go ahead, Ms. Leia. Thank you so much. I, who had thought so well of myself and my abilities, of my capacity to surmount obstacles, was cornered at last. Yes, you know, Bill's pride is, is in ruins, <laughs> Um you know, where is his talent for leadership now? You know, where is his ability to manage things with utmost assurance? Well, you know, it's in the gutter. It's in the gutter because that's the nature of, of the disease of alcoholism. You know, this is a story of his, uh, it, it's a vivid, vivid account with details of his uh you know, descent into the madness of alcoholism, and I relate, you know, I relate. I was a compulsive overeater since I was a little kid. I knew I was a compulsive overeater. I didn't know I had a disease. I certainly did not know what I was up against. I certainly did not know uh, the depths to which this disease would take me. I didn't I didn't know that. I did not know how hot hell was going to get. hmm I did not realize that. That is for sure. I didn't understand to the depths I would go. I did not understand that one day I would put a razor blade against my wrist. I didn't know that, but it certainly took me there, absolutely took me there. You know, that's why this program of recovery has to take me from I, who had thought so well of myself, trust, reliance, and dependency on self, a self-centered existence. This program of recovery transforms a person from that self-centered existence to a God-centered existence. What's the issue here? Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. What's the problem? We've got to be clear what the problem is. The problem is lack of power. The problem is lack of power. Even though Bill had abilities, even though he had capacities to surmount obstacles, now he's cornered. Now he is cornered. And this is true for for me. It was true for me. It's true for us. We have a soul sickness. It manifests itself in the mind and the body. It's like a gangrene of the spirit. And the only way to be relieved of that is to find a power greater than ourselves that can do that job. And that is the purpose of this whole book. The purpose and the main object of this whole book is to enable us, to find a power greater than ourselves, which will solve our problem. Is this possible? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Does it restore a part of a life or a piece of a life? You know what? It restores an entire life, rehabilitates an entire life, reorders an entire life. You know, that's why the big book says we have been reborn from mm. a self-centered existence
0: to a God-centered existence. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leia. Would anyone else like to comment on what was read before we close? All right, thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer.
5: Katie, could you read that for us? Yes, I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater.